Welcome to the Let's Talk EMDR podcast brought to you by the EMDR International Association, or EMDRIA. I'm your host, Kim Howard. In this episode, we are talking with EMDR certified therapist and consultant, Cassidy Duhadway, about EMDR therapy for religious and spiritual trauma. Cassidy is located in Heber City, Utah. Let's get started. Today, we are speaking with EMDR certified therapist and consultant, Cassidy Duhadway, to talk about EMDR therapy for treating religious and spiritual trauma. Thank you, Cassidy, for being here today. We are so happy that you said yes. Of course, Kim. I'm so glad to be here and to be talking with you today. So, Cassidy, tell us a little bit about your path to becoming an EMDR therapist. Yeah. So, I am a therapist in Utah, and I've lived in Utah for a long time. And when I was working with community mental health, I was working with, I was working in the school systems with teenagers, and I was working in drug court and the go-to therapy right now or has been in Utah is just CBT. And it just felt like there's only so much you could do. And you just kept getting blocked and blocked and blocked. Right. And one of my peers went and got trained in EMDR and came back and was super excited about it. And so I started begging to get trained in EMDR because I worked for community mental health. It took a couple of years, right? They're like, we don't want to pay that. But I finally got trained in 2015 with HAP. And then I kind of just fell in completely because the same time I was getting trained, I started my own EMDR healing journey and it just created such an impact for me. I was able to bring that experience and that love of healing and EMDR to my clients. And so we were really able to take that journey together as I was learning how to do EMDR. So that's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite part of working with EMDR therapy? My favorite part is seeing the magic of the shift, right? Like this thing where we go in and we do all of this work with EMDR, but it's all this underlying underneath work and then changes happen that they don't have to practice or set goals for. It just shifts their sense of self in a way that they show up differently. And it's just, it's so powerful for people. Thank you. That's a great answer. Yeah, we hear that a lot on this podcast and I run our social media accounts and I hear the same thing as well. People will say EMDR saved my life or EMDR changed my life. And so it's really good to hear the testimonies coming from people who've used it. So that's that's a common thing that we hear. Yeah, it's good, good to know. What successes have you seen using EMDR therapy for treating religious and spiritual trauma? Yeah, so... This is where it gets a lot more complex, I think, a little bit. So a lot of times with religious and spiritual trauma, most, when I started working with religious and spiritual trauma, people didn't come to say, I want to work on this thing. They were coming in with like these big white pieces and like, I have trauma, but like, I don't know what all these things are. And when we really got down to the basics of what was going on is underneath what was going on was this underlying kind of sense of lack a sense of lack of worth, love, and belonging. And that underlying piece was connected to their religious upbringing and their religious story and their, their deeper cultural pieces. And so the successes I have seen are the humans that walk into my office and they move from this, I am worthless. I have to earn my worth. My value is only in being this type of woman or, or mother to knowing their inherent sense of love and worth and belonging and showing up in that power and showing up in that way. Um, It's incredible to see. It's just incredible to see somebody walk from 
not knowing that they have a sense of self and their own sense of worthiness into that power. It changes their lives. Do you normally work with a lot of women? Is is your in your practice are the the majority of your clients women, or are they men, or is it a, a good mix between the two? Or it kind of goes back and forth. I I typically work with mostly women in my practice, especially with religious trauma. As I become more specialized in religious trauma, I've worked with more men that come in specifically looking for some of those pieces. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a it's a good mix, but I'm probably still like probably 30 percent. So yeah. are there any myths that you would like to bust about EMDR therapy for treating religious and spiritual trauma? Yes. First of all, religious trauma is not just about cults, right? And it's not just for people that have left a religion. So religious trauma is for anyone that has experienced some sort of trauma within a religious or spiritual setting, not just a specific way it looks. And so again, it's like tra- it's trauma, right? So it's how we interpret that language and that experience and that family setting and that church system. It's how we experience it over time. And yes, it is more common in cults. It's more common in high demand, high demand religions, and it can happen in all religions. So the other, the other big myth that I think is really important to talk about is healing from religious trauma. doesn't mean that you're going to leave your religion right? It doesn't make you an ex of something or ex-evangelical or ex-Mormon. And it doesn't mean you're, you're going to want to lose your belief in your higher power. So healing from religious trauma, you can do that and still maintain the practice and spiritual and religious practice that works for you once you learn how to keep yourself safe within that system. Oh, that's great. That's good yeah. to know. I think, yeah. I think people would automatically presume that if they're coming to therapy for that, that all of a sudden that means they can't be Catholic or they can't be Mormon or they can't be Jewish fill in the blank. And so that's, yeah. that's good to know. Thank you for. And it's one of the, that. and it's one of the, it's one of the big fears that comes up over and over for the person, right? If I tell you about this, if I work on this, then I won't have this connection to my higher power or to my God. Right. And that's not true. So all we're doing is we're healing the trauma piece. So they have choice in how they practice and they just get to choose what that's like. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Cassidy, are there any specific complexities or difficulties with using EMDR therapy for this population? Yes, is the answer to that question, right? So like Kim, when we when we kind of look at it um, with religious and spiritual trauma, there's some working definitions out there that people are trying still trying to figure out and to define, but really it's it's a type of developmental and attachment trauma. And so we're going to be working with some of those same complexities, right? So there's some higher rates of dissociation. There's beliefs and behaviors that have been taught through their development that actually prevent healing. They prevent moving beyond a thought. Like, for example, um, in some religions, you're you're taught not to ask questions, right? Which actually teaches you from doing any sort of critical thinking, which you're then taught how to stop yourself from doing critical thinking or asking questions. So it's a thought stopping technique that becomes so normalized in your behavior. You don't even know that you're doing it. So recognizing it or learning how to recognize it with your clients as a therapist is a little bit tricky because it's going to happen so fast. You're not even going to see them in the thought stopping place. So that's one that really happens a lot. The other one is going to be about emotions. So. Lots of religions 
And those of us that have experienced religious trauma, we have beliefs, dissociative experiences, we have behavioral practices around turning off, blocking, or shutting down emotions that we've had from the very beginning, because most of it's generational too, right? So we learned it, we saw it, it's got passed on, all those things. And so we end up having almost, uh, we all, we have a blocking belief system or a phobia of emotions, right? So we have something about emotions. I, as a girl in this religion, only get to be quiet and nice and not have any of those other evil emotions or emotions connected to Satan. And then men can't have some of those emotions either. Like anger is also connected to other things. And so those beliefs around emotions also stop us a lot in that space. It's good clarification for people, for the audience. So I used to ride the commuter train when I lived in the DC area and a friend of mine on the train, we would get into lots of different discussions and One of the things he told me one time was that the biggest mental illness in the world is organized religion. And Mm -hmm. I thought, holy cow, I think he hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Um, And and I was raised Catholic and I still practice, but I can see, because I sent my kids to Catholic school for five years for my son and three years for my daughter. I can see how the dogma impacts children and teenagers and adults. And I think there's a difference between worshiping your higher being and accepting the dogma that's associated with whatever organized religion you're a part of. And unfortunately, we as humans don't tend to separate that out. No. And we're, well, we're taught not to. Yeah. We're, we're taught that it's just part of the religion. It's just part of the spiritual practice without ever saying, Oh, wait a second. Like, this thing about the clothes I'm supposed to wear, is this something I really want to believe? Or do I just have to step into this because this is what I have to do? Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think that. So there's another really interesting thing that happens too, when it comes to this, like when you're working with clients and it's called spiritual bypassing and you'll hear clients and therapists, actually, when you start talking about religion and belief systems, They'll use language that dismisses their pain and almost allows the suffering, right? So, and it's just a way to bypass what's really going on for them, right? So just think positive and everything will be fine, right? right? Like, just just know that it'll be okay. It happened for a reason, right? God knows what's going on and you'll understand it later. And that just bypasses the impact of what's going on for somebody, which doesn't allow them to process their emotions and process their story. I think that's a huge piece of it. Yeah. 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 How do you practice cultural humility as an EMDR therapist? Slowly over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, cultural humility for me, it really is understanding that I am not the only culture out there. And I only know my experience. And so I have to learn and listen. So I have to do my learning. I have to understand other cultures, like other religions I'm working with, other experiences of somebody in that religion. But then I also have to listen and learn how the person in front of me understood that experience as well. Right. So I have to do my own learning as well as sit with them in that. And then the biggest piece that I try and engage with as often as possible is understanding the power dynamic and really exploring what that looks like for me as a therapist, that gives me a role of a power in a therapeutic relationship. And so I have to address it over and over and over again, because it, 
just because I name it out loud doesn't make it go away. Right. So I have to address it. And then when I'm working with religious trauma specifically, one of the things that often happens with religious trauma is people are trained to not trust self and to trust a power that's outside of themselves. So they have a patriarchal figure, or they have a, a leader in their church that they have to trust their word over my word. And when you start working through religious trauma, they start looking for that power person outside of themselves, right? So often it flips to the therapist. Oh, I have to do what the therapist says because now the therapist is the higher power outside of me. So I have to engage in that a lot and name it and, and really try and keep that switch from happening. How did you start to specialize in this area? I don't think we touched on that. No, in religious trauma. Yeah. So I grew up in in the LDS church and I never belonged. I never fit. And I left about 20 years ago. And as I got into my own deconstruction process and my own understanding of self, I had to work through some of these trauma things. But then really as a therapist, as I started just working with women in Utah, I found that a lot of the work that I was doing was connected to their religious trauma story and more so in that underlying sense of worth and who they have to be and what their roles are as mother and partnerships. And so because of my experience with the, with the language and the religion itself and my understanding of it, I was able to step right into working out at that deeper level. And then I kind of, I have ADHD. So I also hyper-focused on it for a little while and like read all the things and did all lots of different trainings. And and so it's been really fun to do it that way as well. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Like I said earlier, I am, I am Catholic, but I feel like I'm a little bit of a renegade Catholic because I don't, and anybody who's Catholic out there is probably going to chastise me um, (laughs) for saying this, but I feel like I'm I don't agree with everything that the Catholic church stands for. And I don't, I don't, I have this issue with a group of men running the church without input from women within the church in terms of, yes. of leadership and, and roles and power dynamics and all of that. I don't have a problem with men in power. I mean, I love all of the men in my life. It's, it's just that I feel like there should be other voices at the table. And I feel like excluding half of the world's population and what you're doing and how you're doing it is not right. And so we didn't necessarily raise our children that way in terms yeah. of not asking questions and speaking yeah. up for yourself. I mean, my kids don't have any issue asking questions and speaking <laughs> up for themselves, let me tell you, even though they went to Catholic school. Uh, neither is, do mine. There, yeah, so there hard. is none of that that shy and retiring thing. That's not happening in the Howard household. And so interesting because often with when we start to look at like um, abusive spiritual systems, one of the biggest pieces we see in the system that that causes the abuse is that patriarchal overlay the control it's the control it's the control and the power and it does it's 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 exclusionary to others and it also feeds into the like like the queen bee feminism right like a little bit of like there's only one female that can be empowered and everybody else has to be under that versus like being inclusive and allowing all voices to be present right and flat like flattening the ladder Right, right. It's a different system. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah. and like I said, I work with a lot of women and the women I work with, like 
it shows up throughout their whole life because of this system, right? It shows up in their partnerships. It shows up in their parents, in their grant, you know, in raising their children. It shows up at school and, and they don't, they've been taught not to have a voice. They've been taught not to speak and not to be loud. And so learning how to do that just takes so much work. Yeah. So when my, my kids went to Catholic school, they were young. My son started in kindergarten and we left uh, after fourth grade. And my daughter started in kindergarten and went through second grade. The kindergartners all would wear just basically shorts and a t-shirt because they're, they're five and six. I mean, they get everything dirty, right? So you don't want to invest in a huge uniform for them. But as the kids get older, you know, they would, the girls in the winter would normally wear those plaid skirts, like all Catholic schools do. And so they had this rule that your skirt couldn't go above your fingertips, you know, and, or when you're kneeling in the kneeler in church, it had to touch the kneeler. And I'm thinking, I mean, I understand you don't want to show up in some, you know, club skirt. This is not a club. This is a school. And you no booty shorts. Appropriately. I totally understand <laughs> that. But I was like, that's a little extreme. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, I understand that you want to be appropriate, but I was like, oh my God. And I would just roll my eyes, you know, because I just thought it was, it was just ridiculous. And it was a way, as you said, to control the female population of the school and make them, you know, go in line with what they're supposed to do with the rules. And it, yeah. So anyway. Well, and it teaches women, right? Like in a lot of religions, they, they specifically teach women that their bodies are responsible for men right? Yes. That they are responsible for men's thoughts, yeah. how they dress is responsible for other people. Right. And so it leads into a whole different piece of religious and spiritual trauma, like purity culture, right? Yes. So it leads into purity culture and it leads into that worthiness culture where I have to only look a certain way. Right. And then, and that leads into eating disorders and working out and, yes. and like, other really, really big problems that a lot of women and teenagers and men are dealing with now. Yeah. And so I, when I, when we sent our kids there, I mean, we sent them there for a few reasons, but what I found really interesting, our experience overall, and and it's, it's every culture is different within every school system. But what I found was the level of meanness that you, (laughs) I'm like, this is the Christian school, right? This is based on the principles of Christ. And you've got these kids who were just mean to it. Most of it, most of the time it was girls, not, 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 not all the guys, but most of the time it was the girls being mean to each other. And one of the girls who used to babysit my children said, you know, her whole family went to school there. And she said, oh yeah, girls could, would tell me that I couldn't be part of their friend group because my hair was too dark and she had black hair. And I was like, what? What do you mean your hair was too dark? I mean, who? Where did this come from? Well, you know what? It comes from the parents because I used to see it in carpool line and see how it, everything was like clickish or, you know, the whole, the poor mothers that had, you know, five kids under the age of nine and she's a stay at home mom and she's running herself ragged, you know, and uh. doing these things. And I think, and I had a conversation with this one woman and they were remodeling their kitchen and she had five kids and her son was friend with, with my son. And something, some conversation about the faucet and the sink. And she goes, well, I want A and my husband wants B. So I think we're going to go with B. And I said, it's your kitchen, isn't it? And yeah. She looked at me. I said, like, what? And, and you're, you're a stay-at-home mom, right? So yeah. you're there 100% of the time. So I think you should get the fixture that you want. And yeah. so little things like that that I would notice, I'm like, oh, this may not be the culture for me or my kids. You know, if that's yeah. how people are 
dealing with themselves in a, in a, a relationship or in a marriage. I'm like that. What really? It's just, yeah. It didn't fit. It's really hard. So, yeah. So and it's hard to see. It's that internalized yes. shame. And like, if I'm taught to judge myself for all of those little tiny things in order to be worthy or to be valued by my higher power, then I'm going to start judging everybody around me too. So yeah. the judgment's a way to protect my vulnerability, because if I actually tell you what's going on for me, now I don't belong in my religion with my friend groups. Right. Yeah. And it's just so hard to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Cassidy, do you have a favorite free EMDR related resource that you would suggest either for the public or other EMDR therapists? I was actually thinking about this and I've been trying to figure out the best way, but I think for understanding religious trauma, one of the best ways is actually going to just be social media because people are out there talking about what it's like, what their experience is like, and you can learn and hear lots of different people's experiences in religion, and that can give you a better understanding of it. The other piece of it, though, that I, there's a couple of places that I'm going to send you that are religious based because there's not a lot of the combination of religious and EMDR stuff. But Rebecca Drumstead and Kinsey Gideon both have quizzes and inventories that a lot of my clients that are online that just normal people can take and see like, do I have adverse religious experiences? Do I have, do I think I have religious traumas? That's a really easy way for people. And then for clinicians, there's some, there's a religious abuse inventory and a trauma inventory by Anna Clark Miller and a spiritual abuse questionnaire by Catherine Keller that are really good as well. And then I have some just some handouts and some information about EMDR and religious trauma on my website that I'm happy to share with everybody. Okay. Um, great. So, yeah. Yeah. And those other uh, resources that you listed, if you would just shoot me an email, I will, I'll give you and those. Yeah. And then I'll link it in the podcast yeah. description so people can just go check it out for themselves. Yeah, too. absolutely. That's great. Thank you. What would you like people outside of the EMDR community to know about EMDR and religious and spiritual trauma? EMDR helps us deal with some of the underlying beliefs that we've been given because of how we were raised or how we grew up. And if I'm struggling with my sense of identity, if I'm struggling with my sense of self, EMDR can help me make these huge shifts, these huge moments to allow me not to have to have as big of a struggle anymore. It can help me heal those really big pieces that I just keep fighting against over and over and over again. And if you don't have to fight against them anymore, it just makes your life easier. Really? I think it's, it's brave for anybody to come to therapy, but for someone who is grappling with their spirituality or <sighs> yes. religious, the church they belong to or the religion they belong to and they practice with for them to come to therapy and say, something's not right. <laughs> you know, for them to do yeah. that. I think that's like one step above being brave because, you know, we're taught, you know, I was taught, my kids were taught, God, just pray. It'll, yeah. you know, you pray to God, it'll yeah. all work out, you know, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to say that that's not a good message for people because prayer but it can work, be harmful but, for some. Yes. But to, right? but to be use that as the default for every yeah. problem in your life is, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty extra brave for anybody who's listening, who's ever been to therapy and had to, had to go for that. So I think that too. And and that makes me think of something else too, Kim. Like, I think it's, it's important for humans to know they get to choose what kind of therapist they want to work with. And they can choose to work with a therapist that believes what they believe, that doesn't believe what they believe or anywhere in between. And they can work with somebody that believes what they believe and understands trauma and understands 
religious trauma or not. And they get to have that choice and they can fire their therapist at any time. If their therapist crosses that boundary and starts to say things that doesn't work for them anymore. And I think we forget that as just as somebody that has a therapist, right. It's okay to fire your therapist. If if it's not working, they work for you. Yeah. And I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before finding the right therapist is a lot like dating. Oh my goodness. Yes. you, You really do have to make sure there's a good, there's a good fit all the way around because this person's helping you with your mental health journey. And so if it's not the right fit or something feels off or something was said that you know is not appropriate or accurate, you got to leave. You got to find somebody new. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but it, no, cause it's, it's like digging. It's also like breaking up with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. If you weren't an EMDR therapist, what would you be? Oh my goodness. All the things I'd be everything. <laughs> entrepreneur by nature. So I'd probably have some other fabulous business that I'd be creating. Um, and I'd probably it'd be a combination of art and adventuring. And it would probably change in five to 10 years. So yeah, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I just want people to know that if you feel like you have religious trauma, trust yourself and start seeking the right therapist for you with that issue because not all therapists understand it not all therapists really know how to help you but if you have an inkling if you have a thing that just says oh maybe it's worth figuring out and exploring it's a good way to end the podcast thank you you're welcome this has been the let's talk emdr podcast with our guest cassidy duhadway visit www.emdria.org For more information about EMDR therapy or to use our Finite EMDR Therapist directory with more than 15,000 therapists available. Like what you hear? Make sure you subscribe to this free podcast wherever you listen. Thanks for being here today.